Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. You may be seated. Thank you, Pastor, for letting me be speak today. Uh, I'm going to speak in a moment, but this is part two to what I preached a little while ago. I preached verses one through six in Judges six uh, about a four weeks ago, and then I felt this week to preach verses eight through 12. So I feel like I need to give you guys a little recap because it's been a minute. So remember we talked about Gideon? We talked about the hideout. Remember that a little bit? And that the Midianite marauders wanted to come steal the harvest. And they were trying to steal the harvest from Gideon and the Israelites. And we talked about nothing will be able to rob your harvest. Nothing can contaminate your harvest. What if I tell you even in the midst of one of your craziest years, you can reap a harvest? And then we talked about the power in the cry, crying out. Remember that? We cried out to God, and there was such a deep move of God that day. It is the cry that prompts God to look your way. The Bible says in Judges chapter 6 that they cried out to the Lord. When they cried out, heaven heard their cry. Because we talked about this. There's power when you cry out to the Lord. There's power when you shout unto God. It's not just emotionalism. It's just not because we're exuberant praisers. It's not, it's not because you're a certain nationality, you praise a certain way or you cry out a certain way. No, there's something deep down inside when you cry out to God, all of heaven pays attention. And he was hiding in the wine press, threshing wheat. And we're going to talk about that this morning. He found himself there because the people, the Israelites, were suffering. The Midianites stole absolutely all their crops. And so we find Gideon here. And we're going to go to Judges 6 and 8. Maybe 6 and 6. Let's go all the way down here. And if you would stand for, not respect for me, but respect for the word of God and our tradition here. Is that okay? So we're going to pick up here verse 6, verse 7. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel, we cried unto the Lord. That's where we kind of ended. And here we're going to start. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, that the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt. Say, up from Egypt. And brought you forth out of the house of bondage. He brought you out of slavery and he brought you out of bondage. Verse 9, and I delivered you. He brings you out of Egypt. He brings you out of bondage and he delivers you. And out of the hand of all, say all, that oppressed you. Not some. Not 30%, Brother Devon. Out of all that oppressed you, he brought you out. And he, Old Testament word here, drave, drove them out from before you and gave you their land. Anybody up for this deal so far? Anybody up for this deal so far? Verse 10, and I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods 
of this world. The Amorites. Anytime there's an ite and it's not an Israelite, they're the bad guys. Okay? If it's not Israel, it's a bad Amorite, bad guys. In whose land you dwell, but you have not ooh, obeyed my voice. Okay, good night. God bless. Go home. Verse 11, it gets better. And there came an angel of the Lord. Man, Gideon's getting it all. Egypt, bondage, delivered, free land. Okay, it's all there. And there came, and now an angel. And sat under an oak, which was in Orpha, that pertained unto Joash, the Abiezrite. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midians. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And I'm going to preach to you for a few minutes on it became my platform. It became my platform. You have not obeyed my voice. The only... The Lord sent the prophet, and he said this to, to God of Israel, says this, I brought you out of Egypt, I rescued you from the Egyptians, and everybody that oppressed you, and the only thing I wanted back from you was don't worship the other gods. I get out of Egypt, out of bondage, I get deliverance, I get free land, an angel talks to me. All I got to do is worship no other gods. And the Israelites couldn't do it. And I'm going to talk to that for a few minutes about that. God, we're here right now. Your word is forever true and ever settled in heaven. God, help me just to flow in the Holy Spirit of what you want to do here for your wonderful people that are here. God, let us not just be hearers of the word, but let us be doers of the word. Let us put it in our hearts and our minds and souls. God, not just another Sunday, but let this word transform us this morning. Not by who's preaching, but by the word of God. Let it get in our souls and our spirits and rest on us, God. If you want God to change you a little bit, would you lift your hands and lift your voice one more time and give him praise? You may be seated. So after the prophets emerged, the angel of the Lord came, sat beneath the tree, and he begins to talk to him. Something amazing is coming your way. And not just because of this scripture, but something is coming your way because some of us have been sowing. Some of us have been working. Some of us have been sowing in our prayer life, in our worship, in our praise, in our Bible reading, in our working for the kingdom. If you've been sowing, I want you to know something amazing is coming your way this morning. You're going to reap. Put a smile on your face. Put a shout in your praise because something is coming your way this morning. Because when God says it's your season, it's your season. It doesn't matter what hell says. It doesn't matter what the demons say or what the devils. When God says it's your season to be blessed, it's your season to be blessed. You can be in the middle of the wine press and you can be blessed. But the hidden warrior, Gideon was a hidden warrior. He was a farmer. 
But God called him a warrior and he was hidden. He said, I rescued you. I brought you out of slavery. I took you from your oppressors. And all I want you to do is to worship me. If God's rescued you from some things, if you've seen God drive out some enemies in your life, if you have literally had God fight forces for you, I want you to raise a hand. If God has ever intervened for you, raise your other hand. If you've seen a miracle from God, lift your toe a little bit. Because let me tell you, I'm here to tell you that if God did it for Gideon and he did it for you and he did it for you and he did it for you, he's going to do it for you in the back and he's going to do it for you in the front and he's going to do it for you over here because his word is forever settled in heaven. Now I said I was going to behave myself because Brother Green was just here. He might be watching. He told me he watches our YouTube, so Brother Green, I'm going to behave myself. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then in verse 40, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. So I don't care what the news outlets say. I don't care if it's Fox or CNN or Telemundo. I don't care what you've been listening to. It don't matter what they say. It don't matter what politicians say. It doesn't matter what Sacramento says. It doesn't matter what D.C. says. All that matters is what the word of God says. He's going to fulfill his word. There is a great revival that is happening right here, right now, in our midst. Get your eyes off of the world and get your eyes on Jesus. He is still changing hearts. He's still mending marriages. He's still delivering drug addicts. He's still getting people off of nicotine. Alcohol has no control over him. Why? Because his word is forever settled in heaven. If you want that to happen for you, he only says one thing. Just worship me. Don't worship any other gods. Don't put anything else before me. Don't put your job before me. Don't put your school before me. No other gods before me. All I want you to do, he says, is worship me. But it's not our culture. We're enslaved. But you got to worship. We're going to get to it here. Sometimes hell falls on us because our worship gets compromised. We worship ideologies. We worship sex. We worship race. We worship politics. We worship systems. We worship fame. We worship money. We worship another person. We worship a moment. We worship TikTok. We worship Instagram. We worship Facebook. And it eats away at our life. And it eats away at our soul. And it eats. You know what you need to do for your teenager? Get them off everything. Because they're judging themselves by all this junk they see that's not even real. The only thing that's going to prompt me to worship is the one who died for me. And I use Instagram and I use Facebook and I, it, but I can't let it dominate me. The only thing I'm going to worship is the one who died for me and went in a grave for me and rose up from that grave and one day is going to split the eastern sky. So you can worship what you want, but I'm here to tell you, God's looking for worshipers who will worship him above everything else. If you're going to be a warrior, if you're going to be a Gideon, he's looking for worshipers. 
I could ask you how many Democrats are here, how many Republicans are here, how many independents are here, how many black, how many white, how many, but I don't want to split our culture like our culture wants us to split. I'm here to ask you how many one God, apostolic, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled worshipers are in the house. Let me hear you. We got one house. We got one family. Black, red, yellow, white. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how old you are. You're my brother. You're my sister. And we are worshipers of the Most High King. From every tribe, in every nation, in every tongue, we are one body. We are together. We are united. For what purpose? For the name of Jesus. Man, I thought I, I thought I was going to behave. I'm so tired of culture dictating that I can't be your friend and we can't be brothers and sisters because we're different colors. Let me remind you, when we bleed, we all bleed red. And when we serve God, we all serve the same. You're my brother. You're my sister. That's not even in my notes. But I get so fed up when I listen to the news and they want to divide us and split us. If you can't worship by somebody of a different nationality down here, you're probably not going to make it to heaven. Because when we get to heaven, I'm going to worship with every color there is, every color there ever has been, every color there ever will be, every age denomination. I don't care if they're two years old or they're 104 years old. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. We got to worship. They did a little research from Northwestern University and they studied Olympic medalists. And you would think that the silver medalists would be happier than the bronze medalists. But the silver medalists are so disappointed in themselves because they almost got gold. And the bronze medalists were so happy because they almost lost. I almost didn't make the stand. Look the next time you're at the Olympics. Watch that bronze medalist. Look over at the silver medalist. Because your focus determines your reality. How we feel is determined by, not by outside circumstances, it's determined by an internal attitude. How we feel is determined by our subject of focus. Your internal attitudes are more important than your external circumstances. Don't you know this is true? You know somebody that can take something good and find something bad. And you know that person that can take the worst situation and just start laughing? And have fun because it's, they make an eternal decision. We all develop a hypothesis about everything all the time. For example, if you decide to not like somebody, you will notice everything about that person that annoys the fire out of you. 
because you had already made up in your mind. But when you fall in love with somebody in your mind, oh, they're so, oh. You can't see, everybody else sees the 18 red flags. But you're like, I'm running. Because you don't notice that stuff. Because your mind plays tricks on you. Why can't we play tricks on our mind when it comes to God? And no matter what valley I'm in, no matter what hell I'm going through, no matter what your checkbook says, no matter what your marriage says right now, no matter what your college situation is, no matter who's talking about you, no matter who's talking behind your back, I'm focused on God and the goodness of God. I have made up in my mind. I think there's a few people that came with me this morning and made up their mind. I want to fall in love with God like I fell in love with this beautiful lady over here because I don't want to see any red flags, God. All I want to see is you. I got to keep going. We're not here. We're on point one. It's going to be, yeah, you and me be the only ones here. Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, present your bodies, living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our spiritual worship. There is a call from heaven for our, us as children to do what Gideon did and pivot. No more worshiping stuff out there. No more bowing down to these ideologies and constructs and systems of man. How much of our energy goes into these things? Instagram, Facebook, watching the news, ah, all the junk. YouTube, and I love YouTube. I was using YouTube this week to learn a new song on the bass, and there's some great stuff out there. One little young kid was talking about it, and talking and talking about, oh, he's going to be famous, and he's going to, I'm going to make YouTube, and I'm going to, and then I'm going to watch, uh, like, all the other families on YouTube, and we're going to get famous, and it's not about fame. It's not about notoriety. It's not about going viral. It's about changing the world for Jesus Christ. Let me skip down to get you some good stuff here. God has plans for you. Where's Gideon? I need a Gideon. Which you want him, you in? Will you hand me that underneath you, Pastor? Just one of those, the wheat. Where's Gideon? Come here, Gideon. You're in the pit. Go get that. Go get that from Pastor, would you? You can't make the man of God get up. Can you sit down for me? So Gideon's in the pit. Let me remind some of us that God didn't find you on the mountaintop. He didn't find you when everything was great. He didn't find you when you were the licensed minister. 
He found you when you were some probably little scrawny teenager and you didn't know what you want to do with your life, but, and you, but you just felt something. And when you were in the bottom and no one else was there, you heard a voice from heaven. God sent an angel to your situation and he found you. I'm here to tell you, put a smile on your face because the God that we serve is not the God who calls people that are already ready. My God is the God that finds people in the bottom and makes them ready. My God found you in the bottom and he turned you around. He picked you up. He put your feet on solid ground out of the miry clay. He found you in the valley and it was all muddy. You didn't even want to get up, but he said, mighty warrior, get up. He called your name. That's where heaven found Gideon and that's where heaven found you. God calls you in your pit. You must embrace the process of the pit to get to the platform. This generation, I'm, pre, I'm, not, I'm sounding old, but you can't skip the process of the pit. Brother, where's Pastor Nolan and I were talking? You want Pastor Durant's anointing, but you don't want to live through his pit. You want to be the next preacher. You want to be the next word. You want to be Sister Ashley up here leading worship. You're going to have to go through the pit. You got to dig it out. You got to be alone with God. That nobody else sees you. Nobody else knows where you're at. Nobody else knows what you're going through. But you're going to be in the bottom of that pit. And God's going to reach down in your loneliness and say, I'm shaping you. It's the process. I'm forming you. You are not formed on the mountaintop. You are formed, Gideon, when you're down in the pit, doing what you know to do, doing everything you can, staying faithful to God, and staying when nobody else is faithful to God. You stay faithful to God. The wine press is just a place of transition. So where are you right now? Some of the greatest sermons ever preached come out of the wine pit. Some of your greatest encounters that you'll ever have come out of your pit with God. Some of the best songs ever written that shake hell came out of a pit. If you ask why we praise the way we praise, well, why you're so vociferous with your praise, why are you guys so loud? Let me tell you, it's because he picked me up out of the pit. He was down there with me, forming me, and he was shaping me. And in my iniquity, he still loved me. In my sin, he still was there. Your greatest revelations, I'm sorry to tell you, will not come through a sermon. It will come through your alone time with God in the pit. Your location does not determine your destination. Where you are is not where you are going. Your now is not your next. You aren't where you're going to be in five years. You're not going to be in this pit, but God sees you, and he knows your destiny, and he is going to speak into your destiny. The moment God finds your wine press, he finds you in the bottom of the pit, and he speaks to that season. Things begin to change. He lifted me out of the pit of despair. The 
we as a church are coming out of the wine press for the last few years. We didn't know was the church going to physically in this building make it when everything happened during COVID. We had a lot of people nervous and scared and rightfully so. None of us knew. But I'm here to tell you there is a worshiping church that is coming out of the pit. That is changing the destiny of Temecula and Marietta and Hemet and Menifee and Oceanside. And you name your city right there. Come on. We're coming out of the pit. The church is tired of hiding. The church is tired of being in the pit. This is a church that's going to stand up and declare, don't touch my children. Don't touch my babies. Don't teach them transgenderism. Don't you come down seven years. You can't shove your junk down my kid's throat because we are children of the king. You got to do the right thing in the wrong place. Gideons convert their wine press into a threshing floor. Let me break this down. A wine press is not the same thing as a threshing floor in the Old Testament, New Testament, or today. The wine press was down, no air. Underneath the ground, low, where they would walk on the grapes with their nice little toes, then you would drink it. Think about that. But you thresh wheat up on like a cliff, up on the top where the wind can blow. And you thresh it and you throw it, they would have it out on the... Did you break it already? I was going to return this. (laughs) Sorry, we're not going for lunch. That was 20 bucks. They would throw it up, and the wind would take it, and the wheat would fall, and the chaff would blow away, okay? He's he's not supposed to do thresh the wheat in the wine press. It doesn't work. I'm looking for some young people and some college students that live in a culture that you shouldn't have to live in, but you are called to live in this culture, in this day, in this age, and you can do the right thing in the wrong place. Not everybody's sleeping together. Not everybody's drinking. Not everybody's doing drugs. Not everybody's gossiping. I'm looking for some Gideons. I'm looking for a few Gideons in this house. That said, I'm going to do what's right in a culture that's what's wrong. Are there any parents that believe this? Because let me tell you. You can do the right thing in the wrong place. And an angel of the Lord is going to show up and and call you something different than you feel you are. Gideon thought he was a farmer, but God called him a mighty warrior. You don't feel like much. You're 15, you're 16, you're 14, you're 19, you're 20, you're 21. You're trying to figure out life. But let me tell you something. Do the right thing in the wrong place with the right attitude. And God is watching you. God's keeping score. God sees what you're doing. I believe this. It doesn't say this in there. But I believe that God was working a miracle when he was in the wine press. Because Gideon would not have kept threshing the wheat if it wasn't working, Brother Gustavo. So even when you're in your pit and when you're struggling to find your future and you're struggling to find your destiny and you're struggling to find your way, you keep doing what's right in the pit. And in the pit, somehow, some way, some wind's going to come through and all of a sudden, you're going to be able to take home a harvest. You're going to be able to take home a miracle. I don't know, because he wouldn't have kept doing it if God wasn't making a way in the pit. 
Did you ever think that? I never thought that. I said, then why would he keep doing it if it wasn't working? God had to be working a miracle down there because he was so desperate. He was so hungry. He was, I'm just a farmer, and nobody thinks nothing of me, but I'm going to do what's right in a wrong culture. You can do it. Not everybody's doing everything else. There's Gideon's. You can't wait. It's your launching pad. It's your, you're about to take off. You're becoming the head, not the tail anymore. You've been wondering if God sees you, if he sees everything you've been doing, everything you've been praying, everything you've been practicing, everything you've been worshiping, every time you've lifted up a name. I want you to know if you give a glass of water in his name, he sees it. You've been honing your skills in the pit, and it's about to work in your favor. Acts 16. Paul and Silas. Some of us know the story. They were going somewhere. God shut the door, moved them to another place. They go. I'm breaking this down for everybody. There's a little girl that would give interpretations and uh, sayings and demonic stuff so they delivered her and then the crowd turned against them because then she wasn't giving them any spoken words into their future the enemy doesn't attack apathetic people he attacks people that have made up their mind so Paul and Silas get thrown in jail by the king. And the king's, if I'm doing my math right, I want to say it's his great-grandpa is the one that beheaded John. So Paul's in the same predicament as John. It didn't work out real good for him, did it? I hope this one's better than his grandfather. Paul couldn't get to Asia. Let me go to Macedonia. Gets in there. Gets thrown in jail. Paul's in jail, not just any jail. He's beat up and in jail. His back is lacerated. His wounds are bleeding. His body's swollen. He is in prison with no medication, no anesthesia. He's in prison with flies, gnats, rats, bleeding, handcuffed, feet cuffed. If Paul aligns himself, with what he sees in his eyes, he's lost the battle. If he reacts to his environment, he's going to act like an inmate. And he will lose the battle. If he acts like a victim, he's going to lose the battle. If he starts crying and starts saying, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. If he starts waiting on a phone call from his mama... He's lost the battle, but the fact is the prison is his promise. It's a promise in disguise. Your pit is a promise in disguise. God needed him to be in prison because he was about to help everybody break out of prison. He was about to show the first church how to break out. I want to tell everybody here that's been going through anything, what you're going through, your blessing is going to come out of your burden. 
Your promise is going to come out of your problem. That's why you got to say, it is good for me that I am afflicted. It's good for me that I'm in the pit. It's good for me that I'm in this prison. Why? Because he works all things together for the good of those. I may not understand it. I might not know why I'm going through it. But I have got my eyes fixed on something else. And this problem, this pit, and this problem is going to be my miracle. Your promise comes out of your problem. If you don't recognize opportunity, you will try to get out of what God put you in. Not understanding it. He does not respond to the situation. See, the enemy has predicted that if you get in certain situations, how you're going to predict, you're gonna, oh, they're going to lose their joy. They're going to get a bad attitude. They're going to lose their peace. They're going to have anxiety. They're going to lose their anointing. The enemy has predicted that if he attacks you right there, that you will backslide. But at midnight, at midnight, how you handle this situation in the pit right now is going to determine your victory. How you handle what you're living in right now will determine your destiny. I'm preaching so good, but some of you don't know it quite yet. Slap three people and say, my prison is not my problem. My perspective is my problem. I've been fighting the wrong battle. I've been fighting all the external things. I've been fighting everything out there. But let me go back to point number one. you got to set your focus and your worship on the right thing. If I'm in this prison, it's for a reason. And he, wor- he turns all things around. He turns all things around. He turns all things around. He can't, you're going through cancer, he's going to turn it around for your good. He's going to turn it around for your miracle. You're gonna, you, I'm telling you, he's going to turn it around. Your disease, your diabetes, your anxiety, your fear, all you that have been dealing with depression, one day you're going to stand up here and say, there was one Sunday morning, some crazy white preacher got up and said he's going to turn it around. And some Sunday morning, God just turned it around for me. The prison came to stop me, but I'm not going to let it. My prison is my distraction, but I'm not going to let it distract me. Why? Because I came here with something to do today, and I'm not letting no prison, no wine press, no pit hold me down. Come on, give him 30 seconds of praise. I'm not trying to get out of my prison. I'm just going to start praising him. And I'm just going to start worshiping him. And I'm going to start living for him. And I'm going to start giving to him. My body is a living sacrifice to you, Lord. And as you begin to do that, all of the prison begins to shake. All of a sudden, things begin to shake. You know who really needs to praise him? Not the person that just got married and you're happy as can be. No, I need the people that are in a in a fight and you were talking about divorce this week you need to get up and give God praise I'm talking about the people that have been hurt and you're so hurt you don't know you came in here and I can't hardly you need to get up and give him praise not the person with the new car not the person with the new house I'm, I'm talking to people in prison this morning you ought to get up in the enemy's face and begin to give him praise I see you I see you I see you do you feel it? And suddenly, and suddenly, and suddenly. 
You ought to just praise him a little longer because he thought you were done, but you got a little more praise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. You don't need music. Run the aisles. You don't need music. Dance in the Holy Ghost. You don't need music. Prison isn't the problem because I'm a weapon formed in the hands of God. Brother Stephen, turn me up. They need to hear this again. Prison isn't your problem because you are a weapon formed in the hands of God. God took you and he aimed you into darkness and that light shot in and you are the light of the world. Give him praise. No, 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 no weapon. No, 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 no weapon. Some of you got to get a little fight in your spirit. No weapon formed against me. If he don't deliver me from the prison, I'm going to turn this prison into heaven because no weapon formed against me. What held you back is about to release you. Your prison is about to become your platform. It's about to become your, what was on top of you is about to be under your feet. Come on, praise him. Come on, praise him. The pit I was in is now under, do you feel it? Put it under your feet. Put it under your feet. What, what used to curse you, put it under your feet because you're like the space shuttle. You've come out of the pit and you're on the launching pad and it's about to go right now. It's about to go right now. You know why you were in the pit so long? It took them four years to build the the base for the shuttle. It took them four years. After President Kennedy said we're going to send a spaceship, it took them six years to get this built. You know why you were in there? Because you're not just going 10 feet in the air. You're not just going 20 feet in the air. You, God is shooting you in the outer space of the Holy Ghost. Come on, give him praise. Put him under your feet. Put him under your feet. Sing that old song, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Satan, the blood of Jesus is. Lift up your voice and sing for joy. Clap your hands, make a joyful noise. Blow the trumpet and shout. Praise him for the victory. Oh, weapons we use are not bombs and guns. It's the way that the battle. This is the way that we fight. Praise him for the victory. So lift up your voice and sing for. Clap your. Blow the trumpet and. Oh, praise. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. 
Clap your hands. Blow. We're going to praise him. Singers are coming. Musicians are coming. Battle is won. This is the way that we fight. Praise him for the victory. God appears in the most unexpected places. At the most unexpected times, Brother Chris. To the most unexpected people. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. None of his here deserved it. But he showed up in my pit, in my wine press. And he picked me up in what used to surround me, all around me. What used to hurt me, what used to hold me captive is now under my feet. You're going to reap a harvest. You're going to reap a miracle. You got a new anointing. You got a you got a fresh touch today. What the enemy meant for evil. What the Midianite marauders meant for evil. God showed up and turned it around. You're getting this raise your hand. If you're willing to make your wine press your pit a threshing floor. Gideon, stand up with me, Gideon. Are there some Gideons? Lift your other hand. I'm a Gideon. I thought I was a farmer, but he called me a mighty warrior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not a farmer. You're not a loser. You're not lost. You're not broke, busted, and disgusted. No. You're healed, holy, happy, God-ordained, God-anointed. You're a child of the King. Listen. Listen, last point. You got to get this and we got to go home. Gideon worked with what he had. He didn't have a car. He didn't have it all together. He didn't have all the money he needed. He, didn't, he could have listed all the ways he didn't have it. But if you serve God with what you have, he will take care of what you need. If you, listen, if God called you to preach and the only place pastor lets you preach is in preschool, get over there and give them the best lesson they've ever heard. Use what you have. If you got anointing and all you got is the usher, be the best usher this church has ever seen. Use what you have and God will take care of what you need. Never permit your circumstances to stop you from living from God. Never permit your circumstances to stop you from living out God's plan. Come here, come here, Gideon. This is for you, Willie. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. This has touched you. If one point helped you, that's all you need. Go home with one point. 
Gideon, I want you to know as Gideon lifts up this wheat, I promise you there's going to be an anointing come down in this building. Your harvest is going to come down from heaven right now. Your new anointing is coming from your new direction. There's going to be a release in your spirit. Come on, ready? One. As he lifts it, I want you to give him your best praise. Two. Lift it up, Gideon. And and the harvest is coming down. And the harvest is coming down. And it's coming. And it's coming. And it's coming. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.